that's worth saying hallelujah for, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. How great, how great is the Lord. And I'm just honored, honored to be in his presence. That's what we've been singing and, and focusing on this morning. So precious. I want to really thank our tech team who for an hour before church today, God love them, all of them, running around trying to get this screen fixed, doing everything they know to do. And uh, they've just given it their all today. And I'm really, really grateful. So, you know, we can't, amen. One thing I really try to do with my life, for real, in my own personal life, is I try not to stress over things that I have no control over, <laughs> the things that are out of my hands. It, what good is it to stress? Now, this equipment, when we bought it, it was so state-of-the-art that it hadn't even come into the country yet. We were the first to get these uh, projectors, and, and uh, but you know, uh, tech years are like dog years. <laughs> you know, I think in, in tech years, uh, this equipment is about 70 years old. You know, our dog, our, our dog, Barkley, is 15. In dog years, he's 105. And one day he'll go to be with whoever, dog, whoever dogs go to be with. Hallelujah. And team, wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Well, please be seated. And everyone that's joined us today online, especially if you're watching with us live right now, wonderful. It's God bless you, and it's good to be with you in your pajamas. <laughs> as I suspect some might be. Well, these many, many weeks, even from the beginning of the year, we've been talking about the theme fearless. And you know, I just am so grateful for this theme because I just think it is so appropriate to my life, to your life, to our life, fearless and creating a courage culture. We want to raise our children not in a fearful environment, not in a, you know, no, we want to raise our children in a home, in a church, in a setting where courage is our culture. And we're not afraid. But that is not necessarily intuitive to the day and age in which we live. And so we on purpose decree it. We on purpose pursue it. Culture is something that's created, good or bad. It's something that's created. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 27, and I don't think we're probably going to be able to get it here on the corner, but... We'll just do the best we can. Maybe it's a good idea to bring our Bible. <laughs> just an old thought. Just, amen. Even if it's digital. Even if it's digital. If you're on your phone right now, I know you're not texting anybody. If you're on your phone right now, I know you are reading from John chapter 14 and verse 27. Jesus said, peace, I leave with you. My peace 
I give to you. You know, Jesus, Jesus gave, he gives us life. Jesus gives us eternal life. But also, this is a very personal declaration to you and to me. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. And then he says, my peace. How much peace do you think God has? My peace, the peace I have had for eternity with my Father. My peace I give to you. No, 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 not like the world. Not like the world gives it. Do I give to you? And then he says this in the same context is peace. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You see, peace is the place where fear cannot live. Peace is the foundation that we build a culture of courage from. I am fearless when I am peaceful. Peace, my peace, I give to you. I want to read it from the Passion. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Courage thrives where peace abides. And a frightened world needs a fearless church. A corrupted world needs a courageous church. A chaotic and a conflicted and a confused world needs a calm and a confident and a totally committed to Christ church. And so, what does a fearless church look like? And I've shared with you four thoughts on this, on what, what the church, what we do not fear. I've walked through four different thoughts on what the church does not fear. Or what does a fearless church look like? Well, we talked about Jesus has conquered death and he has conquered something far greater and that is he has conquered the fear of death and the dread of dying. We read, and this of course has been a fear that has been from the beginning of man, the fear of death, the dread of dying. And yet Jesus, the life has come and he took death into himself. And when he took death into himself, death didn't take out his life. His life took out death. And here's what we read in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15. By embracing death, taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed. How many think that's a good word? Freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. Through Jesus, death has no sting. Life has no end. 
Death has no sting. Life has no end. So, what does a fearless church look like? Well, it looks like fierce followers of Christ who have no fear of death. Secondly, a fearless church is not afraid of man. Oh, the Bible talks about how that the fear of man is a snare. The Bible talks about how that the, that the fear of man brings torment. That's a word I don't want in my life. Yeah. Torment. That's kind of what happens in hell, right? <laughs> torment. No, that's, and this is what the fear of man. And so a fearless church does not live for the opinion or the approval or the appraisal of man. She does not fear being canceled by culture when her sins have been canceled by Christ. Actually, the kingdom of God, by its very nature, is countercultural to this present world. Really, current culture cancels you for anything you have ever said or ever done all the way back to school. Kingdom culture forgives you of everything you have ever done and ever said all the way back to the beginning. Current culture hates and abhors but does not conform to it or agree with it. Kingdom culture loves and blesses and does good to all who hate it and speak evil of it. Current culture has no moral compass and is sexually reckless, uninhibited, unrestricted, unrepressed, unrestrained. Kingdom culture is guided by selfless love and fidelity and faithfulness and dignity and integrity and virtue and honor and purity and holiness. Current culture says, please yourself in any way, at any time, with anyone you desire. Kingdom culture says, I want to please him who loved me and gave himself for me, who bought me and sought me with his redeeming blood and not please myself. These two cultures are as different as chalk and cheese, as day and night, as light and dark, and as life and death. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians, his letter is profound because Ephesus was completely in a idol, idol worship culture. It was the temple of Artemis or Diana, which at one point was one of the seven wonders of the world. When you walked into Ephesus, the biggest thing you saw was the temple to Diana. And we remember one time there was a revolt and, and the people went into the Colosseum and for hours shouted, great, great is Diana, great is Artemis, great. And here was this entire, it was a sexual cult. It was a, it was a, uh, it was crazy 
culture. And this is what the people of Ephesus had lived in all their life. And Paul writes a letter to those in the kingdom who live in the culture of Ephesus. And here's what he says. With the Lord's authority, I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24 from the New Living Translation, since it's not on the screen. We might have to get used to reading it for ourselves, won't we? With the Lord's authority, I say this, okay? Live no longer as Gentiles do, or the current culture is, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life God gives them because they have closed their minds and they have hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Honestly, it was like a religion. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, by lust and deception, by lust and deception. This was the culture of Ephesus, by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. We do not need man's approval, nor are we afraid of man's disapproval. Fierce followers of Christ who are not afraid to die. Bold believers in Jesus who are not afraid of men. And daring disciples of Christ who are not afraid of the dark or the darkness or the realm of darkness. What is there to fear from a darkness that Jesus has raided and invaded? What is there to fear from a demon or a devil that Jesus has dominated and subjugated. We read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, God put all things under Christ's feet, and you are his feet. God put all things under Christ's feet and gave him to the church as supreme Lord over all things. Therefore, we're not afraid of the dark. Fourthly, we talked about sold-out servants of Christ who are not afraid to share their story, to witness, to testify. They're not afraid to share their story. A frightened and a confused world needs to hear your story your story. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was blind, 
but now I see. Once I was bound, but now I'm free. Your story will open the door for his story. And his story is the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes it. The world needs your story, not your silence. The world needs your testimony, not your timidity. And today, we're going to go to number five. I want to share that a fearless church is not afraid to fearlessly follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Follow me. Follow me. This is what Jesus said to Peter and Andrew that day on the shore of northern beaches of Galilee as Peter and Andrew were casting their nets into the sea. Jesus stood before them on the land and he said, follow me. And actually what he said is, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, not just fishermen. This is what Jesus said to Matthew. Sitting at the tax table with stacks of gold coins and stacks of silver coins and just all there in front of him. And here's Matthew on this side of the table and here's Jesus on the other side of the table and Jesus stands there and Matthew looks up from the glint and the glitter of the gold and the silver and Jesus says, follow me. This is what he said to the rich young ruler who sadly walked away. Jesus says in Matthew 10 and verse 38, those who do not take up their cross and follow in my steps are not fit to be my disciples. Jesus says, in Matthew 16 and verse 24, if any of you want to come with me, hi man, with all of my heart, I'm in Jesus. I want to come with you. I want to go with you. I want to be with you. Jesus says, if any of you want to come with me, then you must forget yourself. Carry your cross and follow me. What makes the church in the Western world, I think of the American church, I love America. I mean, I'm kind of American before I became an Australian. So I, I, have not, I, have, I love, but what makes the church in the Western world so different from the church in the rest of the world? Now, I think the American-Australian church, we make up about 11% of all the Christians in the earth. So that's like almost 90% of the rest of the world. Uh, obviously, there'd be some of Europe in there, which would be included probably as Western as well. But 
I just wonder, because the Christians that I've met in China, Cambodia, in India, in Indonesia, across the Middle East, and all over Africa, I don't know. They have a deeper love. They have a greater faith. They have a stronger commitment. Why? I think the Western version of the gospel is basically a call to believe in Jesus. I think that's the gospel in the Western world. Believe in Jesus and maybe raise your hand. Believing in Jesus is one thing, but being a fearless follower of Jesus is something else. I can be a believer in Jesus and still be unkind to you and unkind to my wife and unkind to my neighbor. But I cannot be a follower of Jesus and be unkind to you or unkind to her or unkind to them. Believing in Jesus changes my heart, but following Jesus changes my world. You know, when Paul and Silas made their way to Thessalonica, they went into that town, and they had not been in that town hardly two minutes. They were just, they had hardly been in that town when the rulers of the city came together and made this declaration. I'm reading from Acts chapter 17 and verse 6. The rulers of the city crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Not their words, but their works, their walk, and their way of life turned their world upside down. A fearless church is filled with totally committed and fearless, unflinching followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Followers of Christ are not just believing Jesus, but being Jesus. Not just believing in Jesus, but being like Jesus. It's the difference between believing and behaving. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, I was going to have us read this together, but this technology is older than I am in dog years. Is it here? Yeah, but I can't see that. 
<laughs> Can you see that? <laughs> okay. All right. This is Romans 8:29 and everybody up in the back corner. This is from the Good News Bible. And here's what it says. You can maybe follow this with me. Those whom God had already chosen, he set apart to believe in his son. See, I told you I can't read that. <laughs> Just as well. Just as well, Steve, because that's not what it says. It says those whom God had already chosen, he set apart to become like his son. To behave like his son, not just to believe in his son. We do not shine in this dark world by what we believe, but by how we behave. Paul wrote to the Philippians in Macedonia. And he said, become blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault, right in the middle of a crooked, corrupt, perverse culture, generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. We shine as lights in the world as we display Jesus to the world. And we follow him fearlessly, courageously, audaciously. Yes, we believe his word, but we follow his way and his works. We walk in his steps. We live in kindness and mercy. We don't judge and condemn. We serve and attend. We assist, we help, we aid, we care, we share, and we dare to be like Jesus. We turn the other cheek. We go the extra mile. We love our enemies. We bless those who curse. We do good to those who hate. We pray for those who persecute. As Christ's followers, we turn, we go, we love, we bless, we do, we pray, not just believe. A fearless church does not see this current culture as my foe, it's my field. It's not my enemy. It's my embassy. It's the foreign soil as an ambassador of Christ that we have been served, sent to serve in. 
Because Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man, Jesus says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. The Son of Man came to live right in the midst of the current culture. Cancel, corrupt, whatever. The Son of Man came. That's where, that's where the, this is our field. They're not our foe. A fearless church is filled with totally committed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ who also have come to seek and to save the lost. And a fragile and a frightened world needs a fearless church who's following Christ. The call of Jesus, come team. The call of Jesus. The call of Jesus is not believe me. The call of Jesus is follow me and do the works I do. Now, How do we respond to a message like this? Many of you would know that our mission statement is that we exist to turn non-Christians into totally committed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But today, today it's a little different. Today, We exist to turn Christians into totally committed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've already asked, so I know the Holy Spirit is searching our hearts because only you have the answer as to whether or not you're a Christian who believes in Jesus or you're a Christian who behaves like Jesus. Only you know today whether your Christianity is more believer Christianity. I believe. I believe. I'm going to, I got my insurance. I'm going to heaven. Jesus is my Lord. Or whether your Christianity is follow I follow. Nothing in this life matters to me more than Jesus and his purpose and his mandate and his mission. And my goal in life is to not be like me who believes, but to be like him who I follow. And so honestly, I don't know how to give an altar call to this. But I do believe The Holy Spirit wants a response from me and from us and from you at home.
The world doesn't care what we believe. World doesn't give two cents about what's going on in here this morning. World doesn't care about how we believe. And it's not impacted by what we believe. The world is impacted and changed by how we behave, by how we live, by how we show Jesus, and how we live in kindness and service, and how we act like Jesus. That's what changes the world. That's what changed Ephesus. That's what changes the world. This current culture is not my foe. And all the craziness that's going on in it, no, this is my embassy. This is where I live. This is where I've been sent to, foreign soil. You're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. So I'll just have a go. Would every head please bow? Would you search with the Holy Spirit? Allow him. Search your heart, Christian. I'm talking to Christians right now. I'm talking to Christians. I'm actually talking to believers. Born again believers. Today, you would make a fresh commitment to become a totally committed follower of the Lord Jesus, that your behavior would not be your own, but it would be his. If that is your desire, if that is in your heart, I want to pray for you. Would you stand to your feet if that is you? I stand too. I know I'm standing because I'm the pastor, but before I'm the pastor, I'm also a servant and a son and a Christian. Before I ever come onto this property, I'm a I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I believe. But Father, what would happen to Penrith if Imagination's church became fearless? Father, what would happen to the Blue Mountains and to the regions, Lord, on down and on out, even our city? What would happen, Lord, if Imagination's Church became fearless to follow you? That we're not here to judge and condemn. We're here to serve and attend. We're here to help and assist and shine and to give ourselves up and to lay ourselves down and to pour ourselves out. Isn't that what revival would look like? So, Lord, we stand, those of us who are standing. We ask the Holy Spirit to move us, but not emotionally, locationally. We ask the Holy Spirit to move us from being a believer to being a fearless follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.